0: Welcome to The Kids Are All Right, the podcast that explores big global issues from a young and fresh perspective. I'm Nolo Azim originally from South Africa. I moved to Paris, France three years ago to pursue a master's degree. I'm a news enthusiast and have always been interested in what young people think and are doing to address some of the things I read about in the news. Before we begin, Here's a message from my colleague Mega Thomas, who helped me produce this podcast. Hey there!
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. The Kids Are All Right was produced by a team of students and aspiring journalists interested in learning more about some of the biggest issues facing the global community. From social media fame to the Venezuelan crisis to climate change, we've reached out to young people and experienced professionals alike in order to provide you with different perspectives on hot topics. We hope you enjoy it! Share your thoughts with us on Twitter at Kids right News or on Instagram at Kids Are All right News.
0: Tel Aviv is one of the most gay-friendly cities in the world, and it's seen as the center of LGBT rights in the Middle East. However, if you go about an hour and 15 minutes inland to Jerusalem, the atmosphere isn't quite the same. Not every sect in Israeli society embraces the gay community. Over the summer, an amendment was made to Israel's surrogacy law, allowing single women to use a surrogacy process, but failed to provide the same right to single men and homosexual couples due to ultra-right parties in parliament. For gay communities around, there is still work to be done and rights to be achieved. Today, we'll hear from Juliana Nicolucci-Altman as she reports on how the LGBTQ community is advancing in Israel.
1: My name is Juliana Nicolucci-Altman. I'm 19 years old, and this episode is called Pride and Prejudice. I was living in Jerusalem this past summer of 2018 and I had arrived right after the pride parade in Tel Aviv in June and I remember being amazed at this very progressive city in a Jewish state, a state affiliated with a religion. And then I got to Jerusalem, which definitely feels worlds away from Tel Aviv, and that it's this ancient city that emanates this sense of conservatism. It's incredibly holy for three of the world's major monotheistic religions, and I just asked myself, you know, how is the gay community able to exist, much less thrive alongside religious conservatives in a city like Jerusalem?
2: And hey, my name is Ayala Lori Pardes, and I grew up born and raised in Jerusalem. Um, I'm agnostic, uh, religious-wise, um, but I live a secular life and I'm, I'm bisexual. Awesome.
1: Um, so, do you think that Jerusalem is a welcoming place to the LGBTQ community? And like maybe how does it compare to a city like Tel Aviv?
2: I think in most of the liberal places, the secular neighborhoods and, and, and the university, I I I never felt intimidated by my my sexuality, but mm. compared to Tel Aviv, I think it's definitely a different atmosphere. Mm. I definitely need to check when when I hold hands with my partner. I need to check twice which neighborhood I am, if there's light, if it's too dark. I, I mean, I am aware of where I'm where I'm around. Yeah, it's not it's not as simple as Tel Aviv.
1: So how was it for you, kind of growing up in this? A deeply religious city. Um, as a member of the LGBTQ community, like, were there any challenges that were posed to you um, that maybe someone else wouldn't face?
2: I only came out when I was 20, 21, in the army, in the military, and I. I it's not that I was in the closet. I just I wasn't aware, and um, yet to my sexual orientation. And maybe I was afraid to ask. I think that in a lot of in a lot of the spaces, even the secular spaces, you need to realize that. Uh, gay is still it's still like a curse
1: do you just personally consider yourself to be an lgbtq activist
2: i am i actually i'm running for city council
1: when i first sat down to speak with Ayal over the summer he was still campaigning the results of the municipal elections came out on october 30th Ayal did not get the necessary number of votes to serve on jerusalem city council
2: I think that a major reason that I, 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 do, I did that, that I decided to run is because I wanted to, f- to make the LGBTQ community in Jerusalem feel like they have a home here and they have a voice here. And so I do, I'm an activist for the last two years in a very intense way in the LGBTQ community I think it's, it's a struggle that I very much identify with. I think of, I think of politics as kind of a bridge that connects problems to solutions. That it's, it's our duty to do that, and it's our duty to think how can we make this place more, of, more like home.
1: Um, so maybe, what are some things that you've done in the past that you can talk about that you may have done for the, the LGBTQ community
2: here? I mean, I think, I think that the two main things that uh, I find that were very much activist is when I guided a group of teenage LGBT and in Bechemesh which is a very conservative suburb next to Jerusalem and to guide a group of 20 teenagers that deal with a lot of difficulties around gender around their sexual identities in a very conservative place that it's similar to the atmosphere in Jerusalem uh, I think that you really you, you understand that the cliche that when you change a person's life you change like a whole world it is accurate it's a cliche for a reason it's incredible the second thing is when I uh, worked in the only gay bar in Jerusalem. And a lot of people, when they're questioning themselves, they look for the gay bar because they understand this is a place they might find someone. And if they're not getting the atmosphere that the community is a community, is in a safe community without sexual harassment, um, without, without um, violence, and they can be themselves. I think that this is, was a crucial point to understand while wow, I was working the for a year.
1: What do you think are some major changes that could be made in Jerusalem to make it more of an open and um, inclusive society?
2: I think education, it's the first, it's the first tool. Um, I think that you need, you need to make programs that include all, all kinds of families and all kinds of orientation. In every system of education in Israel, because you have four: you have Arabic education, you have ultra orthodox education, you have religious education, and you have secular education. And in secular education, you have some conversation about it in most places, but it should be it should be across every kind of sector in the society to make it uh, to make this message clear. And I think this is a challenge that we need to face. <clears throat> the second thing is, I think, to one of the main thing in the platform for me is um, to ensure that the open house would have a permanent place in Jerusalem.
1: Could you talk to me a little bit more about that? The, the open, open house? house?
2: The open house is an is organization was founded 21 years ago and gives services to the LGBT community in Jerusalem and from youth uh, groups to elderly groups and, and I think that to give to give it a permanent place it's good first of all in practical reasons to make to, 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 to allow more, more things to happen in, inside, the, inside the, the house. Today is a very small apartment. And, and the third thing is that we need to kind of... We need to change our, our paradigm, our state of mind, where diversity in Israel, in Jerusalem specifically, is considered as some kind of, of a bad thing. It's something that divides us.
1: So, what would you say uh, to a young person who is struggling here in Jerusalem to find uh, members of their community and who feels ostracized
2: by the the religion? Um, If you know your identity, you've already been to the toughest challenge you can have. And this is something you should cherish.
0: At Rothberg International School of the Hebrew University, the faculty and staff are dedicated to providing LGBTQ students with a friendly and supportive environment for them to live and study. Ira Kushner is one of the staff members committed to supporting diversity on campus. Kushner is Director of the Office of Student Life and serves as the Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Juliana reached out to him to get a better understanding of the gay community in Jerusalem.
1: So I was hoping just to start off if you could recap like what exactly do these resources provide like the video pub and um, the I think you mentioned like the Bat coal or different mm-hmm. groups like that. So what yeah. what do they do for the students that you um, work with at the university?
3: So first of all, we have I think the same secular resources that exist all over the world, whether if it's the one uh, gay bar slash pub, which is yes the video. Um, which I don't frequent um, because it's less my style, although I do appreciate its value. Um, And what's cool about it is it definitely attracts a very diverse crowd. Um, We also have a, uh, let's see, there's a queer cafe and also a queer-owned diner and a few other uh, queer-friendly locations, but that's the... uh, the way that the, the resources exist, at least the, the social uh, the social ones. Beyond that, there's the Jerusalem Open House for Pride and Tolerance. They're a very important space, and there there are um, uh, spaces like it in other cities in, uh, in Israel. I the Tel Aviv one also being called an open house. I don't okay. know if in other cities it exists in the same format. The other resources that I think are unique for Jerusalem but definitely not uh, only in Jerusalem, are the religious resources for queer people.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Most significantly, which is for, for queer men, and which is for queer women. Um, and those are groups for people that associate both with their queer identity and their observant Jewish identity. What's interesting is the, um, the uh, straight religious supporters. These are straight people that come from a modern Orthodox background, and what they're saying is we recognize the complexity of of religion and queer identity, but we also recognize the fact that the queer community is comprised of our brothers and sisters, our cousins, our friends, our neighbors, our children, possibly, and, and we support them. I think it's more important and more of a challenge to speak to the people that aren't our allies, um, and it's impossible to ask them for anything, really, because even the ones that are accepting of us and tolerant of us, gee thinks, they're afraid of, of how we are threatening the Jewish family, the normal family, the natural family. They're terrified of that.
1: So what do you think can be done, um, and this doesn't only apply to um, the situation of the LGBTQ community in Jerusalem, but to facilitate these kinds of dialogues in such a polarized um, environment?
3: I mean, as an educator, I believe that education is the tool that leads to real change, but it's slow change, and it's frustrating change, but it usually is a longer-lasting change once it happens. I also think that it's a, there's like a snowball effect here. Every queer person that comes out inspires another queer person to come out and every queer person that comes out and then comes out and then shares his, his or her story with their families, with their community, with their friend, that's, unless of course, there's a negative reaction, but usually there's either a positive or at least a neutral one. That's one more person that knows a queer person and can say, Hey, they're human. It's someone I know. It's not just that title, queer person. It's Ira. It's a It's a lot of people and they're good people and maybe i disagree with some things but ultimately they're good people
1: i learned a lot from living in jerusalem and speaking to ayal and ira but what stuck with me the most was something ayal told me after our interview after turning off my voice recorder i asked ayal if he was afraid of being out and of relentlessly fighting for the rights of the lgbtq community and for the equal treatment of those living in east jerusalem He replied simply that he could not live in fear because living in fear was not living at all.
0: You've been listening to an episode of The Kids Are All Right. It was a production from Podium.me and News Dakota. Tell us what you thought of this episode by tweeting us at Kids All Right News. In a recent study done by Pew Research, a global median of 70% Say China plays a more important role in the world than it did 10 years ago. We hope you tune in for our next episode on globalization. We'll meet up with reporter Savannah Jenkins as she sits down with Marco de Nobili and David Schlesinger to get a better understanding of what China hopes to accomplish with its One Belt, One Road initiative.